This is Aaron Yaakov Shir, and dear friends and neighbors, we are about to enter into one of the longest sugyas in Saita, the sugya of Shimshan. However, Ein Yaakov is not going to let us go in there without a real quick piska. So we have this piska on Kuf Tess, and then we enter into the sugya of Shimshan. Here's our piska. You don't need pictures of what happened. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you think this is? A Stefanski Shir? I don't do pictures. I paint a picture with my words. Not good enough. <laughs> Not good enough. <laughs> Piska. There's a Piska. We said that she started the Aveda with her thigh. Mina honey mili. Okay. Ilem mishum dechsev. If you're going to tell me it's because the Pazak says, Here's the question of the Gemara here. I don't know why this Piska is here. I have a guess, which is what I'm going to introduce to you. But this is pure Allah right here. Fact is that in one Pazak it says that her thigh gets smacked first and then her belly. And another Pazak it says her belly gets smacked first and then her thigh. Don't worry, this is noise canceling. The people on the audio can't hear it. Come, come closer. Huh? Come closer, sit next to me. You're too far away. <laughs> yeah, I'm recording. What, what? Why? Why can't I? People should know that this is an active, you know, you should come. This is an active shit. There's, there's like a hundred people here. Just only five of them are in the share, but there's like a hundred people here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Thank you for clacking the standard. In one Pusik it says that when she dies from the sight of water, first her thigh dies, then her belly dies. The other one says first her belly dies, then her thigh dies. So, when they curse her, when they say what's going to happen to her in the curse, there's a curse announced about what's going to happen to her, we tell her, first we're cursing your thigh, and then we're cursing your belly. And the reason why is because she started the Avera with her thigh, and then the Avera progressed to her belly, eye and jump. Umaya, kibadka, however, when the water finally kills her, it doesn't kill her in that order, because that's not the order of digestion, that's not how people eat. Kior chayubadka, it does it in order. It hits her belly first, because that's what she eats, and after the belly it goes to the thigh. So, what it's saying here, the answer to the question is, that the reason why the Pusuk has two orders, whether it's the thigh or the belly that gets hit first, is one, is what curse we're doing. We'd like her thigh to drop first and then her stomach, but in actuality, her stomach drops first and then her thigh. By the curse also it says, by the curse, it also says, belly then thigh, because the kain also has to inform her of the proper proceedings. So it's not to be on the Mayim Marim. Okay, I'm going to summarize everything we just said in normal English. I'm going to look at Rashi and then we're going to start Shimshin. Here's what we just said in normal English. Sometimes the Torah says stomach before thigh. Sometimes it says thigh before stomach. Here's when each one happens. You're going to have thigh before stomach in our curse and you're also going to have thigh before stomach in what we wish would happen because that's what she deserves. Her thigh started the Aveda, then her stomach. In actuality, she's going to die in the order of the way that she eats. She's going to swallow the food. She's going to swallow the water. It's going to go into her stomach. It's going to mess up her stomach. Her stomach's going to distend. And then it's going to go down to her thigh from there. And her thigh is going to drop. The Kayan has to tell her this because otherwise it be Maitzalaz the Mayimara. I want you to look at the Rashi here because this Rashi is my favorite Rashi, maybe in Shas. Really. I talk about this one all the time. If you've been to my other Shiram, you might have heard me mention it as a reference. I love it so much. Take a look at what Rashi says here. What's the metilaz? What would happen? Let, let's say that we cursed her and said that your stomach is going, that your thigh is going to fall first and then your stomach, and then her stomach falls first and then her thigh. She's on the ground dying. What's the metilaz? Read Rashi. They will say, This is Allah. What? Excuse me. That's the important part. 
What's going to happen? This lady, she cheated on her husband. We told her if you cheat on your husband and you don't confess, you're going to drink this magic water and it's going to kill you. And we tell her it's going to kill her in a way that involves her thigh and her stomach. But we tell her it's going to be thigh before the stomach. She's on Harabayas dying. Her stomach is bloated. Her, th- her thigh has dropped. But she goes, I, in her final dying breath, she, go, she puts out her thumb and goes, wait a minute, this isn't from Hashem because it happened in the wrong order. You understand how delusional people can be? This is what Rashi is saying. People can be that delusional. People can say, a woman can be dying on Harabayas, from the thing that she wasn't supposed to drink, for the Aveda that we said would kill her, and she can be dying, and and she knows she did, and she's dying in the way the Torah says, but it didn't happen in the right order, so what's she going to say in her dying breath? And what are the people around her going to say? When they see this miracle happen in front of them, they're going to go, ah, wait a second, let me ask Shem Haise's This is the biggest clipper, and there's the biggest Yetara. We see miracles all the time, and every time we see a miracle happen in front of us, our first instinct is to go, ah, but did it happen exactly in the way of a miracle? Could you explain it? Maybe she did something else wrong. We're going to, every time we see a miracle, we do this. And Rashi recognized this right on this page. We need to tell her, Biff Farish, what's going to happen, or she's going to let a miracle pass her by, and so is everybody else. I think that's incredible. Okay, fine, but I, th- I just I think it's uh, the psychology here is incredible. The psychology here is incredible. We have people seeing this happen who see such an obvious miracle. What do they do in their heads? Ah, it's not really a miracle. Really, this could have happened. And and everybody does it. We're all guilty of it on some level. Anyway, that's why I think maybe this is in Enyaka, but I have no idea. Let's talk a little bit about Shimshon. Huh? We're all guilty. We're all guilty of that. Not Chas of the other crime, but we're all guilty of seeing Lan Payarach with Space Spaten and going ah maybe. I don't need to tell any of the jokes that go along with this. You know the parking joke, right? The classic, right? The classic is that the guy's davening, davening, just very quickly, guys, davening, 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 let me find a parking space. He makes a thousand achlotis. He's going to do everything right from this point on in his life. He only finds a parking space. At that moment, a car leaves in front of him and there's a parking space and he goes, thanks Hashem, I found one. No need. No need. I found one. So uh, we, we do this. We, we, we're delusional and Saita, even in her dying breath, is delusional. Okay. Mishnah. Whatever you like, I think the drush is the drusher. No, <laughs> this is it's my chiddush, so you don't have to you don't have to accept it at all. Mishnah. I don't think it's a chiddush. I think it's pashid in Rashi. Anyway, Mishnah. And now we're starting the Shimshon sugya. Shimshon halachachad einav. Shimshon. Shimshon chased his eyes. Shimshon was always going after a pretty girl, right? He goes after three pretty girls. Don't worry, we're gonna save him, but just let me do the mission of Epashtus. Shimshon's always going after his eyes. The fikach nikru plishtim esenav. Mida kenegim mida. The plishtim poked out his eyes. Harsh, but that's the way it goes. Shnemar v'yachazu plishtim v'yinakar esenav. If you don't believe me, there's a pasuk. The plishtim grabbed him and they poked out his eyes. Avshalom niskab esarei. Avshalom, who we're gonna talk about much later in Enyakov terms, like next year. Avshalom niskab. A normal term is too dotten, but in Enyakov terms, next year. Avshalom niskab esarei. Avshalom was very proud of his nice long hair. The fik, just like all of us going into Shavuos. Everybody like their nice long hair? Therefore, he ends up hanged by his hair. Because he had relations with the ten concubines of his father, David Lunvius, They stabbed him with ten spears. Because it says in the Pasuk that ten young men surrounded Avshalom. There were the people who carried Yoav. That was David's general. There were the people who carried this general's weapons. The Yaquas of Shalom, and they all smacked up Shalom, each with their own spear. Or Lefisha, Ganav, Shalosh Kunevis, and since he made three deceptions, he deceived Lev Aviv. 
Slave Bezdin, believe called Yisrael, he deceived his father. He deceived Bezdin, and he deceived the entire Jewish people. Therefore, he was stabbed with another three speary things. I don't know. Look in your art scroll. They're all I don't know. I don't know bladed weapons. Bladed weapons keep on stabbing this guy. Another three bladed weapons. Maybe those are spears, and the other ones are stabby things. That they took three shvatim in their hands and they put them right in the heart of Avshalom. So Avshalom got stabbed a total of thirteen times. I mean, a little bit of overkill, literally overkill, kill over. And he was still living on the heart of the Ela that he was hanging from this tree. He was hanging from, by the way, those last four words are not in the Gemara. It must be another Gersa. In any event, we're seeing Amida Kenegan Mida. People do Avedas, and this causes bad things to happen to them. Okay. We have a Braisa. The reason why we're not talking about the raid here at all is we're going to do it all in the Gemara. So this is just our view. We have a Braisa. Shimshen of Mara. Shimshen rebelled with his eyes. He rebelled against God with his eyes. Shnemar says in the Pasuk, Shimshin said to his father, Isa, Kahli, this girl, I want you to take her from me. He because I like her. She looks good in my eyes. That's why the Plishtim were able to poke out his eyes, because he rebelled with his eyes. Because says in the Pasuk, the Plishtim grabbed him and poked out his eyes. Yeah, let's 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 pause here. You know what? Let's pause here. I want to talk a little bit. Let's pause here, I want to talk. No, I've been reading. Now I'm talking. Um, the entire Sogi of Shimshin, the Gemara is going to make a wild assumption that it also makes in Sanhedrin sometimes shameless blood prepared as Tuesday night Sanhedrin shear. This is an assumption the Gemara makes that is deeply unjustified in our generation of men learning Gemara. The Gemara is going to assume that we know Nach. And that is a real shame because we don't. And the Gemara is going to assume. And uh, one of the fastest ways to learn Nach is, well, the fastest is to open a Nach and read it. But the second fastest way is to learn these Sogi's and Shas and then open up a Nach. So in order to understand what's happening here, huh? In those days, they knew Nach. In those days, remember from the... Also in the Hayyemim. In those in Hasidim. This is not in those days. 200 years ago, Hasidim used to fold their talis, finish Nach every, what, three months. Right, my goodness. But uh, not, not so much nowadays. So I need to give you an intro to Shimshan in order to understand any of this. Otherwise, we'll be going back, we'll be tripping over ourselves to figure out what the Gemara is talking about. So I want to tell you the story of Shimshan in the fastest three-minute version story of Shimshan ever. Okay, here comes your education in Shimshan. I'm recording it. There's a guy named Maneach. He has no kids and he's very sad about it. His wife goes out to a field one day and she sees an angel. And the angel tells her that I have a whole bunch of rules for this boy. You're going to have a child. You're going to have a boy. You're going you're gonna to be blessed with children. He's not allowed to have grapes. He's not allowed to be involved in wine. He's going to be a nuzzer from the time he's born. The angel makes up a bunch of rules. She goes home to Maneach and says, I have excellent news. We're going to have a child. And Maneach goes, great. Who'd you hear it from? She goes, guy in the field. He says, you're crazy, lady. That we don't trust guys in field. No, 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 it was an angel. And furthermore, the kid's going to be a nuzzer from the moment he's born. And Manach says back, I don't listen to crazy people. I don't listen to crazy wives. We are not having a child. And if we have a child, he's not a nuzzer from the moment he's born unless I get some clarification. So, so Manach, who is a big tzaddik, davens to Hashem and says, if this was from you, I need the angel to come back and talk to me because I am not accepting these wild rules without hearing it from you personally. So the angel comes back and clarifies that to Manach that indeed this is going to be a very special child who's going to save the entire Jewish people. Yeah, to be a nuzzer from the time he is very young. The next thing we learn about Shimshin is he begins to grow up. He sees a girl in Timna and he wants to marry her. This is the first girl he marries. He ends up with three women throughout the thing, even though we talk about him like he was this big womanizer. We really only have three mentioned in Nach and that and, and one of them he's married to. So the first... 
one of them he's married to. So the first one is this girl in Timnah. He wants to marry the girl in Timnah. So he tells his parents, I saw a girl in Timnah. I'd like to marry her. The parents say, we're not sure this is a, we're not sure this is a good shidduch. He goes, no, no, this one's the one for me. So they arrange the marriage in Timnah. On their way to the engagement ceremony, he sees a lion in the path and his parents are terrified. Oh no, we're going to get eaten by a lion. And he does what any logical person would do. He rips the lion in half because shimshin. So he rips the lion in half and they go to their engagement. On the way to marry her, that's the engagement, on the way later to marry her, he sees this lion corpse lying there and he sees that honey is inside the lion corpse, that there are bees inside the corpse that are making honey inside the corpse of the lion. He is fascinated by this. So at his wedding ceremony, he poses a riddle. This is how people used to do Sheva Brachas. Nowadays, Sheva Brachas are boring by comparison. They used to pose high-stakes riddles. So Shimshin says, I have a high-stakes riddle for everybody here. The Lushan is, out of the eater came forth food, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. If anybody can tell me what this is, I will give you, I wrote down the deal, I will give you 30 suits, and if you don't get it right, you have to give me 30 suits, right? So I will give, I will give 30, it's a 30 suit deal, okay? So they, they start working on the riddle and they cannot figure it out. They realize that their deadline is coming up. He set a certain date by which they had to solve the riddle. Deadline's coming up. They don't know the answer. So they go to this girl from Timna, Shimshin's new wife, and they say, come on, you're a Palishti like us. We're buddies. You, you, you got to tell us or we're going to end up, we're going to end up on the hook for 30 suits. So she, she blabs. She tells them. They come to Shimshin and go, we have an answer to your riddle. It's a broken lion in the path that has bees growing in. And Shimshin goes, that's mightily suspicious. I don't think you figured this out on your own. He says, but fine, I did promise I was going to give you 30 suits. So he goes into Ashkelon, murders 30 Philistines, takes their suits and hands them to the Philistines. Says, Here's your 30 suits. Meanwhile, he leaves. Okay, so uh, later on, he they comes back. <laughs> they did. He made it very clear what he was doing. So he comes back, uh, he, 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 uh, he comes back later to claim his wife and the Philistines who are by the Plishtim say, you can't marry her anymore. You're, you're murder and murdering Philistines. You're not, you don't do riddles in good faith. He goes, no, not you. Whatever. They get in an argument. They're not giving him his wife back. They say, she's ours now. He says, that's not very nice. So he takes 300 foxes. He ties their tails together and puts a torch between every two foxes. So two foxes have a tail, ties them to a torch, and he decides to run those foxes and torches through the Philistines' fields and torch all of their fields with foxes. The Philistines are furious, right? The Philistines are very angry. So they try to kill him and he goes and hides among Yehuda, but they surround Yehuda and start pressuring the tribe of Yehuda. So Shimshin tells Yehuda, turn me in and watch what's going to happen. This is like a classic scene. He has a, they tell, Yehuda binds him in rope. They deliver him with his hands tied in front of him. This is just rope though. This guy can tear lions in half. He rips the rope apart and he grabs a donkey bone, donkey jaw bone that's on the ground and murders a thousand Philistines with a donkey jawbone. So he murders a thousand Philistines with a donkey jawbone, and then he gets so thirsty he's about to die, because he just twists and turns in the story. It's very exhausting killing a thousand people with a jawbone. I've never tried it, but if you do, you'll be very thirsty. He says to God, is this where I'm going to die? And God goes, no, not a problem, and turns the jawbone into a little water fountain, and he's able to drink water from the jawbone. All of these things I'm telling you are going to show up in the Gemara. That's why I mentioned them. I'm only mentioning the parts we're going to be darshaning. Okay, later on, he finally gets cornered at midnight in Gaza. What was he doing in Gaza? There was a Zaina there that he was interested in. That was girl number two. There's a Zaina. There was a prostitute he was interested in in Gaza. This was not a woman he was married to. This is just somebody that he wanted to be with. So he's with a Zaina in Gaza, and they find out the Plishim here, and they surround Gaza. There's no way out. He's completely trapped. Shimshon goes under the gates of Gaza with his shoulders, lifts the gates of Gaza on his shoulders and tears the gates apart and walks away with the door to the city and just walks out with the walls around him. And that's how he makes his escape. The third woman he marries is a woman named Delila. Delila. Uh, boo! Delilah. Delilah. You know, there are Gaim who name their kids Delilah nowadays and Lilith. Gaim are the worst. But in any case, those Gaim, not all Gaim. No, there's some that are great. But the ones who name their kids Delilah are not great. Anyway, he has a girl named Delilah. Huh? Oh, yeah? 
Okay. So it's, <laughs> I'm on Spotify. Right. <laughs> Some guy are fine, but those who name their kids Delilah are not particularly sensitive. I mean, come on. She's a bad lady. You know the story with Delilah. Uh, she tries to get him to say where the source of his strength is because she's really a spy for the Pelishtim, but he seems to like her a whole lot and he doesn't know. He, whatever she's kind of, I don't know if she was recruited to be a spy, but she's spying for them. So because the reason why, because she, right, she, she keeps on, she keeps on trying different things. He says it's, he says it's this, she tries it, that doesn't take away his strength. Anyway, she finally gets him to admit that it's in his hair. She cuts off his hair and then she calls the Philistines to come and kill him. And the Philistines are able to surround him and defeat him. And they bring him home in triumph. They poke out his eyes, which is what we're talking about here. His eyes got poked out. And this is more or less his very end. They have him tied up. They're having a party on the top floor celebrating the downfall of the great enemy Shimshon. And Shimshon is in the basement, chained to the wall with all of his strength lost and no sight in his eyes. He says a line that is perhaps, unfortunately, very popular among Zionists. But in any case, a very popular song among everybody. God, please remember me this one last time. I would like revenge for at least one of my two eyes that got poked out. Give me my strength for one last moment. God grants it to him. He takes his chains that are attached to the pillars and pulls them inward. The foundation collapses and he murders every one of the Philistines who are partying, killing more people in that day than he killed in his entire life. That's the Zachreni line and that's the end of Shimshon. Okay, that is your... Uh, that is your very long and uh, much longer than it should have been, but in a way, very short intro to Shimshon. With that introduction, we will tomorrow discuss at length where exactly his eyes rebelled, what happened with this girl from the, the different girls from the different cities. It'll make a lot more sense. But for today, just an intro. I feel, you know what? Can you stay for another minute? I feel like we didn't do any Hasidus. Can we do one little Hasidus? One Vart Hasidus because I, I feel bad. There's a Magad in our Torah, Parshas Va'era. The Magad in our Torah says that the reason why Shimshon was so involved with the Philistines, the reason why he was so, why he was so nichshol kiviyachol by the Philistines, he was constantly with them, sleeping with them, partying with them. He was around them a lot. It explains in our tariff and the Magid that there are certain souls that every single non-Jew in the entire world has a root soul in a Jew. That is that every single, every single non-Jew in the world is, can be traced back to a, to a Jewish person somewhere. That is, Mendel Sandhouse, who's standing here right now, there's a bunch of guys for whom he is their mashpia. That their highest in this world comes through Mendel Sandhouse. That is a fact. That, that every single Jew is a mashpia for the highest for a certain number of Goyim in the world. And the Magid says there that, uh, that there are several different groups. For example, when Moshe says, anashim, and Moshe picks people to specifically go fight the war against Midian, he selected the people who were the core souls of Midian so that the Midianites couldn't defeat them. There's a strategy that we've used throughout history, says the Magid. He gives many examples that we sometimes, when we need to defeat certain, certain non-Jewish nations, we pick the Jewish souls that are the source for those nations and use them to defeat them. He says there, Shimshon was the source soul, the mashpia of all of the plishtim. And because of that, he was the only one who could defeat the plishtim, but also because of that, a mashpia and a makabal always have a shaykhaz. So Shimshon was always going to be challenged by the plishtim, always drawn after the plishtim, always engaged with the plishtim, trying to marry the plishtim, because in addition to being the only one who could defeat them and their source in this world, he was deeply tied to the plishtim. This is just very interesting, Rav Magid. You'll find this in uh, the Artara in Va'era. Okay, much, much more later. This is like the longest in Yaakov ever. I deeply apologize. That's it.